dear God. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. If you have a Bible, we're turning to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 8. I'm going to read one verse, chapter 8 in Hebrews, verse 13. In that he saith, a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away like to work for a little while this morning on that word vanish, things that are about to vanish away. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. Good to be in God's house this morning. And I can only tell you that we had such beautiful Got so many compliments on the ceremony yesterday as well as the reception. And uh, for those that could uh, make it and be a part of it, I'm sure you're very happy that you were. And uh, we had an awful lot of visitors, people from out of town who have gone back. <laughs> that happens. and uh, But it was nice to get a chance to show a good spirit in a world that is, I was reading Isaiah this morning and how that the lion is going to get to a place where he'll eat straw. And that's something. And the bear and the cow would peacefully coexist. Imagine that. And uh, also it mentioned the leopard and the, and the goat. And how that there would be, even a child would play on the hole or the nest of a snake and feel no harm. What a time that's going to be. We commonly believe that to be the millennium or the thousand year reign. But the point is that, that God's mind and thinking and His way and His righteousness will rule entirely, 100%. And that there will be no hurt. I'd say that's a pretty marvelous thing. We're living in a world that looks like every day they're trying to invent new ways to hurt each other. I'm glad to be in the church, uh, to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and to be baptized in Jesus' name, and to try, attempt, to grow in grace and knowledge and in the ways of the Lord each and every day to become more aware and thankful. The Bible did say, be ye thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And to grow in that as you become more and more aware of things that at one time may have seemed insignificant and just might not have even occurred to you. I, I've heard it said, of course, and I know we all have about taking things for granted. Sometimes we take things for granted and we don't even realize that we're taking things for granted. And, uh, and sometimes we take things for granted and we're very much aware of it. Um, but whatever the case is, we want to learn to not do that. We want to really learn to be thankful and appreciative. It's also been said you don't know what you have until you lose it. 
I don't want that anymore in my life. I got the Holy Ghost, and I don't plan by God's grace to lose this good gift of the Holy Ghost. Not for anybody and not for anything. I told you that a man came to town from many, many states away, showed up on my porch, and I was just stepping out the door, and boom, right there in my face. And I was utterly shocked. And I'm like, the Lord hid it from me. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I sent him down the, to the banyan, and I said, I'll meet you down there in a little bit. Kind of busy right now and uh, finishing up a few things. And so that's what I did. And I tried to be as courteous and as cordial, friendly, even brotherly as I could. Kept the ball rolling in the conversation, kept the topics on happy things and good things and positive things, and uh, worked for a while, and uh, finally got to a place, though, to where I guess it got down to why he really came. <laughs> and uh, he did not come for a good motive, did not come for a good reason. Uh, he tried to mask it, tried to hide it, but uh, he finally crossed that line. He went too far, and when he did, I just stood up, and I said, this meeting is over. I said, I will not go against my pastor, and that was that, and so... I paid for the iced teas and sent him on his way, hopefully never to see again. feel like I put more than enough time and effort into that case, and I'm um, hoping that was the last and the final end, what the Bible say, a consummation, a, a, a final end, a full end of the whole thing. It's a Bible word, and uh, I hope so. You know, there are just some lines, church family, we should never cross. Should never cross. There is some things that we should definitely make it clear that we've gone as far as we're going and we're not going any further. If you, can, if you back up, the devil will continue to push you and push you and push you. We've often said it this way. Well, I'm way off of my text here. I've got to get back to that. But uh, it, we've said it this way, that the devil doesn't want just one tomato in the garden. He wants the whole garden. And he's going to keep on and keep on and keep on. Church family, he wants you in hell. Get it straight. It's a war for your soul. It's a war for your life. Okay? And uh, it's going to be a great day when the lion and the lamb lay down together and relax and chill and there's no enmity between them. There's no bad feelings between them. There's no desire to hurt at all. That's going to be a great day. But I got news for you. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. There is a war going on, okay? And we are given weapons of our warfare. We are told to put on the whole armor of God. And he made it clear now the weapons of our warfare. They're not carnal. They're not carnal. I've seen grown men get angry in traffic and jump out and start fighting. Fist, fisticuffs, ties and suits. <laughs> Getting mad at one another because somebody cut somebody off or whatever. Well, that's escalated now to road rage, right? So it's not just, you know, somebody even hitting with a fist. Now it's pulling guns. So it's, we're watching the aggression in our world 
ratchet up. We're watching these things take place. In many cases, we're experiencing. It wasn't too long ago that a gun got put to one of our young men's heads. And he was just out doing his job. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything aggressive. He didn't start anything or just somebody else. And, you know, sometimes you're dealing with spirits and people that rise up. And, uh, you know, you didn't provoke anything. You didn't provoke anything at all. We're living in that kind of world. And as I said, it's evil men, the Bible said, waxing worse and worse. Maybe that's where the little boy got the word worser from. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, don't look for it to get better before Jesus comes. You want better? Be in the church. There was a couple at the wedding yesterday as well as the reception, and they've been separated for a good number of years. I don't think they ever officially divorced but they've been separated. There was a time in their lives when they went to church, and they haven't been to church in many a year. I would say day, but that would be a wrong word. Many a year. And so they were sitting, but there was a gap between them, and I stepped in the gap, and I put my arm on each one's shoulder, and I said, you know, all some people need is a good church. All they need. They just need a good church. They need people who love. They need people who worship. They need people who are determined that they're not going back, that they're going forward. They're determined that there's some things they're just not going to let go of. There's some lines they're not going to cross that they're truly going to resist the devil. And the Bible said the results of that will be, it didn't say lay down. It didn't say play patty cake or footsies with the devil. It didn't say that. It didn't, it didn't say, I, I don't know if it was last week, you know, I mean, it all just gets to rolling for me. But um, here recently, in, in James's writing about, you know, not having fellowship with the world. That makes you an enemy of God when God wants you to be his friend. He's made it possible for you to be his friend. All you got to do is believe him. Do what he says. If you believe him, you're going to do what he says. That's how we get here. Because if we believe him, we repent. If we believe him, we get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. If we believe him, we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And everybody said amen. amen. Give God a big hand. If you're cold, wave at me. I'll have something done about it. Everybody said praise the Lord. See, I get worked up, so I get a little warm. I know you're just sitting there. But I'll tell you, I told them yesterday, it was a ceremony, I said, we, in conclusion, I told them that they were a very good congregation. A little quiet, but very good. So don't get too quiet, because, you know, in, in, in your immobility, you might get a little chilly. And uh, Of course, if you really need a cure for that, just step outside. <laughs> I had a text this morning early and, and uh, said, Senior Pastor, we're outside. <laughs> And so I hopped up and opened the door, and I said, you forgot to put in your text, and melting. <laughs> but we got them in the cool and took care of them, and I was kind of deep in the book, and I wasn't hearing anything. But uh, I am saying to you that this Bible is alive. Our God is real. The church is the best and safest place. The word safe is in the Bible. And in the kind of world we're living in, you want to be in a safe place. You want to be around people that aren't out to hurt you. Make sure that you're not developing a characteristic where you're out to do hurt or where you're out the enemy can use you to destroy. 
That's all he comes to do, to hurt and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've given you power. He said, I've given you all power over the power of the enemy. And he said, this is what God's done for his church. He said, I've given you all power over the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt or harm you. God's looking at the apple of his eye. God's looking at his church. God loves his church. God loves his people. Everybody said amen. amen. Somebody put out a song that no ordinary love. This is not ordinary love. That's for sure. This is extraordinary in every sense of the word that a king would bleed and die for his church. Think about that. That blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, we could be washed in it. Our sins could be forgiven. Oh, how marvelous. It's been said, look what the Lord has done. Hadn't he done marvelous things? Great things. Glorious things. Come on. Amen. Well, let me see if I can get to it. The Bible teaches that Job's writings, and Job was having a bit of a challenge, as you know. He, uh, he was going through it. That's, that's just the way to say it. He was just going through it. And sometimes we find ourselves going through it. Everybody said amen. There's no sense to deny that. But you know what? It is wise for you to remember not to despise the chastening or the chastening or the training of the Lord, the Almighty. At first, it seemed a little rough, a little coarse. Goes against the grain. Of course, it goes against the grain. It goes against the flesh. That's part of the purpose of it. But it said afterward, give it a little time, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness. Hang in the church. Hang in with the church. Stay with God. Stay with truth. Stay with what's right. And you will reap a harvest of peaceable fruit. Think about that in a warring world, in a fighting world, in a hateful world. Yeah. So Job said, as the cloud is consumed and vanisheth away, so he that goeth down to the grave shall come up no more. Mm. All of the Difficulties that Job found himself exposed to. He even said, when God's done with me, he said, I'm going to come forth a vessel for the furnace. It's all going to be good. Everything's going to come out just right. He's going to get the dross out of me. He's going to get the refuse or the garbage out of me. Now, I know sometimes we're born with garbage in us. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And, uh, I mean, if you want to get scientific about it, our cells are working in our body, and they produce waste. And uh, it's our bloodstream that carries it off, gets rid of it for us. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about. It doesn't take long to hear something wrong to see something wrong, to experience something wrong. And uh, maybe you're not looking for it. You're not advertising for it. You're not hanging out where all that happens. It just comes across your path. And uh, I've been in a store or a mall, and all of a sudden a, a song will come on overhead. You know, it's just in the different speakers that they have spotted around. And if you're not careful, it can throw you back to, you know, before you got the Holy Ghost. And uh, you have to fight that battle, maybe. 
You have to get that garbage back out of your mind and your system. You don't want that. You don't want anything to do with that. There are things that want to get in our system. But you know, we have the power to cause it to vanish away. We have the power in the Holy Ghost to get rid of things. As I said, resist, or as the Word of God said, resist the devil. Put up a little resistance. Don't just be a doormat for the enemy. Don't just let him run all over you. Don't just let him have his way, especially since you're not willing to put up a fight, not willing to resist, not willing to stand up for what's right. We want to, Bible said, no man that warreth a good warfare, so somebody's warring a good warfare. God's going to have people. You better believe that. God's going to have people. He's going to have his church. He's already got a church in the grave. But the Bible also said those that are alive and remaining shall be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be. Everybody said amen. So God's got a people, and he's going to have a people. You better know that God's got things developing that you can't see. He's doing things in places that you're totally unaware of. He's dealing with hearts, with minds, with people. He's getting a, a hold of people, drawing people close to him. I'm sure it looked pretty bleak for a while there uh, when Jesus said to his disciples, he said, hey, he said, y'all going to? You know? Seventy had left at one shot. Next thing you know, he said, I chose 12 of you. He said, one of you is a devil. So we know that dude's leaving. Whether he likes it or not, he's going. <laughs> oh, my God. People don't stop to think sometimes about what this good word of God says. Yeah. But in dealing with the reality of situations, God had a harvest already coming to the time of being reaped. God had that. He sees the beginning to the end. He is the beginning and the end. And you better understand, I'm telling you, God's got a great big plan and everything's going according to the plan, and the plan's getting bigger. And I want you to develop and help me to develop in you a desire to be a part of that plan, to grow with that plan, and to eventually go with that plan. I want to be in the first resurrection, church family. I don't want to miss that for nothing. I can't think of anything I want to miss it for. No amount of money do I want to miss it for. You hear me? No amount of money. That seems to be what is the motive with some people. Why they go along with what they go along with. Because there's money at stake. You know what? The Bible said that an individual told the prophet in trying to Hire an army to come do something that God said he was going to take care of. Who in the world was that person to think that they're going to take care of it? And the prophet told him. And he said, but I've already the money. He said, forget that. He said, God's able to give you that and more. Wake up. Believe God. Trust God. Come on. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Well, where did that come from? Whoop. 
Everybody says, you don't think I get surprised sometimes? I do. Sure I do. <laughs> My God is a great God. Sure he is. I'm uh, going to move on, and I want you to move with me. When Jesus came on the scene, when the Word that was God was made flesh and began to dwell among mankind, when Him, or when He, rather, was born, and His name was called Emmanuel, God with us, He began to go about doing good as He grew in grace and knowledge. And uh, healing the sick. How many, you know, think about they crucified him who only did good. There were people who took exception to what he did. There were people who looked narrowly on what he did. There were people who disagreed with how he did it. The bottom line, though, he did all things well. They took him and they examined him. I find no fault. I find no fault. Sometimes people find fault because they have ulterior motives. They got something. I always explain it in the, in the New York way, you know. And uh, they're famous up there for their pizza parlors. And in the front, you see the pizza parlor. But they don't show you is the back room. Oh, that's where, you know, They've got the real thing going on for them. They've got their, they're running money and numbers and gambling and all kinds of things that go on. Some things that I'm sure are ashamed to talk about. But uh, that's people's hearts too. They'll show you what they want you to see. They put on a front. They'll put on a face. They'll put on a look. I, I believe it's called hypocrisy in the Bible. Bible even called one nation a hypocritical nation. How about that? He did that. That's what I am so happy. One of the things I'm happy about in coming to the truth in the church. When Jesus said that they'd made his house, his father's house was to be a house of prayer, but they had degenerated to where it had become a den of thieves. Hence, that's why Jesus showed his divine authority when he made a whip out of rope and he turned over tables and he sent the money changers scurrying. And he said, it is written, my father's house is a house of prayer. You've made a den of thieves. What that was typifying and showing was what the Holy Ghost does in our lives. That when we're baptized with the Holy Ghost in fire, He absolutely runs every devil out. He cleans up our act, if you please. And in doing that, we, there's an absence of hatred. It's gone. There's an absence of, in generally speaking, but yet specifically, sin is gone. And for a blessed period of time, there's just no sin in our lives. There's no hatred. There's no bad feelings. You know, I've told you, I remember going home. I thought everybody would want this. I didn't realize that everybody wasn't feeling what I was feeling. <laughs> oh, no, they weren't. 
they still had their hatred. They still had their bad feelings. And when when the light came walking in that God had given us, friend, that was just too much. It just pulled the, the, the cloak and the blanket off of them and it pulled, drew them out into the light and they didn't want that. They had too many things going on in the back room. But that can't stop us any more than it stopped Jesus. He was the light and he is the light. And as he continued doing good, Right up, right up to being crucified and being spit on and being talked about so ugly. And if anyone didn't deserve to be talked about ugly, it was Jesus. Everybody said amen? Amen. And yet, he didn't complain. He took it. You talk about tough love. He took it. Stretched out on that cross between two thieves. They're cussing at him and yelling at him. and I'm sure they joined in with the chorus and said that if you be who you say you are, then get down and get us down <laughs> from here. But... Uh, Something happened to the guy on the right. Something happened in the name of the Holy Ghost. That good spirit, even in death, that good spirit. You know, the Bible did say, in in our weakness, God's power is made strong. And as that flesh was dying, and crying out, I thirst. The good in him. Oh, God is good, church family. God is good. This man repents. He repents. Some people get mad at people who repent. (laughs) The other guy did. He kept throwing it in Jesus' face. And the guy on the right said, hey, wait a minute. We, we're getting what we deserve. He said, but this, this just man, he doesn't deserve this. And he said, remember me. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And all the words that came back My God, how great that feeling. Let's not lose the memory of the feeling of coming up out of the waters of baptism in Jesus' name. And that all our sins are left behind when you're brought up in the name of Jesus Christ. All your dirt is gone. Everything is made clean, forgiven, full pardon, nothing lacking. No corners where maybe some sinful dirt escaped. No, all taken care of, all taken care of. I'll call to Senior Sister Fell cleaning. (laughs) That girl can clean, let me tell you. And she can see dirt too where nobody else can see it. Well, I guess you learn that from the Lord because he sure gives us a good scrubbing. And he takes care of all of our sin. And all the words that came back to the man on the right, the sinner who repented. Today, shalt thou be with me you know, you could have just stopped right there, right? You'd think it'd be enough just to be with the Lord, but he didn't stop there. He said, paradise. <laughs> Woo! You 
know, that guy must have been wiggling around on that. He was tied, you know, he wasn't nailed. He must have been wiggling around on that cross a little bit saying, I'm going to paradise. I'm going to paradise. <laughs> he suddenly had an awful lot of hope, an awful lot of happiness, an awful lot of joy. And he didn't get what we got. Think about that. He didn't get what we got. Do you know what you got? Do you know where you got what you got? I sure hope so. Because the devil wants to steal it right out of your heart. He wants to steal it. He wants you to treat it like it's nothing. Like a, an old note, old piece of paper. That's how he'd like you to treat this experience. That's how he'd like you to look at the church. It ain't nothing. No big deal. He'd like to downgrade all the good in your life. He'd like to tarnish it. He'd like you to, to treat it as nothing. You've got to fight, church family. You've got to fight the good fight of faith. You've got to woman up and man up. The Bible did talk and describe an individual as being a man among men. So we want to be men. We want to be men among men and we want to be women among women. We want to stand out. We want to let our light so shine. We want to be known for the Christ-like qualities that have been developed in our lives through the years. Now there was a, an example that Jesus gave when he found a couple of people that were down in the mouth, lower lip, dragging the ground, sucking up dirt everywhere they could. You'd be surprised. I got that little poster. I got it in my office. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people just gossip. Just talk, 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 talk. Gossip. Like those that went to Mars Hill in the book of Acts, either to hear or to tell some new thing. That's what gets their motor going. For some people, that's what they live for. They're always searching out. And these guys were just caught up in negative conversation, all kinds of negativity. And in so doing, they didn't realize it, but Jesus sidled up. He was suddenly right there. You know, the Lord hears those conversations. He doesn't miss a thing. And uh, he asked them, he said, why is your countenance so sad? They didn't even realize. People, people do not realize when a wrong spirit gets on them. Now, I'm talking from 46 years in the church, okay? And if somebody asked me yesterday how long I've been here, and I said over 41 years. And uh, what I've, I've dealt with people. And I have observed and experienced people that get in a bad spirit or a bad frame of mind, if you please, and they don't even realize how they're acting. And these, these people walking along the road, they didn't realize what they looked like to, to Jesus. He said... What's with the sad countenance? They said, you a stranger around here? They said, they've taken Jesus of Nazareth and they've crucified him. And so he said, well, <laughs> in his mind, but then in actuality he did it. That is, time for the Word of God. Time for a Bible study. Sometimes I think people get 
convicted. Remember the, the woman that was thrown at the feet of the master and taken the very act of doing it wrong. And uh, that was her particular. It could have been an innumerable amount of people that could have been thrown at his feet that were in the midst of doing things wrong, obviously. But this was this particular woman's day. And, and uh, when Jesus got done dealing with them, the crowd with the rocks, and going to stone her and just out to kill, out to hurt, out to destroy. Now, you see, that's not of God. And so he said, I mean, isn't there a voice of reason somewhere? Can't somebody wake up and say, wait a minute. Why are you talking like this? Why is your countenance like this? Why, why are you heading in this direction? What are you doing? Where do you hope to end up at? So, anyway, the Bible said that when Jesus got done dealing with the crowd, you know, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. And that's when you heard him thud, 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 because all the rocks fell to the ground as they just dropped them. And Jesus got done writing on the ground. I always like to say he put M-Y-O-B, mind your own business. <laughs> and he stooped back up. And First of all, I'm awful glad he stooped down because that's a, a picture of grace, isn't it? That he stooped down to us. He that is so high came down to us who is so low. And uh, even in our sinful nature, she right there did it wrong, no doubt about that. Big deal, everybody did it wrong. That's the whole point. <laughs> and because uh, God so loved the world, right? Okay, a whole bunch of us. And so, as he stands back up, he did my favorite line, woman, <laughs> where are those nine accusers? And uh, nobody here? Just you and I, Lord, me and thee. The Bible said they all left, dropped their rocks and left, being convicted of their own conscience. That's why sometimes people countenance gets the way it does. And they act the way they do because really they're convicted. They really know they're doing wrong. Because the Holy Ghost is, is telling them. And there's the Bible said it's a it's a tug of teaches, it's a tug of war. You almost got me. I said teaches. Tug of war. Because the flesh and the spirit, they're contrary. One to another. It's just a battle, a pitched battle going on. People get convicted. You know what? I'm a Romans 8 and 28 guy. <laughs> we had one guy, he said, I'm a Coke man. <laughs> well, I don't drink soda, so I'm, a, I'm an Acts 2.38 and a and Romans 8 and 28, man. <laughs> but my point is, is that I try to see good in everything. And uh, I see good in people getting convicted. Because at least they can feel something. Because the Bible did talk about being past feeling. You know, there are people that are, have been born medical condition that they can't feel anything. And they have to, matter of fact, I believe your diabetes can get bad enough that you have to be extra careful, maybe even especially about your feet, because you could cut yourself and start bleeding to death and you don't even know it. And so uh, I, I remember Sister Mace always warning about that. You had to be careful about that. And, you, and the doctor would always say to examine. You had to examine yourself. Well, hey, the Bible said that. To examine yourself. Give yourself a good looking over. Could be a good reason to go to the prayer room, right? Or come to the prayer meeting or come to pre-service prayer to uh, get in there and examine yourself. There's no point to, to running away. There's no point to, to um, you know, trying to hide under the bed. No point in that. Quit being such a chicken. Walk, 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 walk. You know? Believe it or not, there used to be a dance years ago called the Funky Chicken. Thank God I came in the church. 
That was the stupidest looking thing you ever saw in all your life. <laughs> Glad to have the Holy Ghost. Oh, he just does so much for us. Man, the Holy Ghost will give you a good dance, let me tell you. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost give you a good dance, won't he? He'll put you out in the aisle. I always have to get Altez out of the way. Get him up over here so the girls can get out. <laughs> and he does his thing over this way. We like that. We really like that. But, uh, and we are to praise the Lord with a dance, a Holy Ghost dance. What a difference there is between when God does it and when the flesh does it. Big, big, big difference, let me tell you. And I'm so glad for that spiritual experience. And as I said, for God to be able to convict us of our sin, of our disobedience, of our stepping out of line, that we can, God can nudge us. I was going to say slap us back in line, but I'll, I'll be nice. Nudge us back in line. You know, just nudge us back in line. Just give us a little, whoop, a little touch there and come on. And that's up to us. If we'll be sensitive, that's all it's going to take is a little touch. You know, it's all in how you're going to, if you're going to fight God or not. But if we don't resist God, we learn, start doing things the right way. Resistance is to go against the devil. We're, we don't want to quench the Spirit now, do we? We don't, we don't want to be resisting the move of the Holy Ghost. We want to be looking forward to that. We want that fresh touch. We want that anointing. That anointing that breaks the yoke of the enemy. The enemy just wants to put a yoke on us. He wants to tie us up and direct us in all kinds of wrong directions. But the Holy Ghost has come to make us free. Make us free. So it's good when you can feel conviction. That's a very good thing. That's like a nurse saying, you got poked. The thump, the thump, the thump. We got poked. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. He's still with us, still alive. And that's what conviction is like. That you're not past feelings. That, you, that Christ has not become of non-effect to you. Yes, it's a marvelous thing when God can touch you. And you can feel it. You can feel it. You're not dead. You're not dull to the point that you're dead. And that your spiritual pulse is dead. But that you're, you're alive in Christ. What did that song say, right? Dead man walking, but I'm alive in Christ. That means we're dead to the flesh but we're alive in the Spirit. God can talk to us. We can feel it. When we say it wrong, bang, we feel it. When we're doing it wrong, bam, we feel it. And you know, the stronger you feel it, then not only is that the more sensitive you are, but more than likely that it's fresh, transgression in your life because if you do it and you keep doing it in spite of God's warning and admonition and the preacher and the pulpit and the word just override everything Sunday school lessons everything just override it then after a while it gets softer and softer and after a while it does what it did to the Jewish under the law, it decayeth, it waxeth old, and it's ready to vanish away. And that's what Jesus did when he came to the dudes that had the sadness about them. And he said, they, he started giving them Bible study. And as he was giving them the Bible study, they came to a certain house. And Jesus employed a little psychology for their benefit, and that's when it's okay to do that. And he made as if he would go on, and they, whoa, don't leave. And so he went in with them. Sometimes he will test 
whether or not you really want his presence, whether or not you really want to be a part of the work of God and what all he's carrying on and what he's doing. There are certainly, I can say in this church, congregation, there are certainly, there is certainly a multitude of opportunities to get involved. Sunday morning, we're here. Sunday evening, we're here. Monday night, we're here. Tuesday, we're there. Wednesday, we're here. Thank God for Thursdays, but I usually have something going on. <laughs> I think the guys are hiding since you come. I think the guys are hiding uh, on Thursdays and laying low and hoping that they, the phone doesn't ring or text or something. And then Friday, we've got youth, and Saturday, we've got outreach or some project going on. So I'd say there's a, you know, and if we haven't got a funeral going, we've got a wedding going. If we haven't got a wedding going, well, maybe we've got a baptism going. It's just always something seemingly happening, and that's good. We are an active and a busy church, and you can be as active and busy as you want to be, always dependent on your spirit and your attitude, and your cooperation. To get involved, the Lord tests that. He made like he was going to go, and they, they hung on. They said, no, 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 we, we want you here. We want you to be. We, like, we want to hear what you're saying. This is helpful to us. And at some point, their countenance was improving. You know, the, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile and uh, begin to turn up, they begin to get a little smile, a little shine in their countenance, a little brightness to themselves, and even to the point that Jesus vanished out of their sight. Oh, we better appreciate what we got while we got it. Yeah. Let's not be guilty of you don't know what you got till you lose it. Let's not be guilty of that. Let's appreciate what we've got. Let's embrace what we've got. Let's glorify and praise what we've got. Let's be thankful. Thankful. Yeah. And so, in vanishing out of their sight, the Bible said that they they then realized, they got the revelation right about then, they realized, they said, did not our hearts burn within us? Different kind of heartburn, huh? Did not our hearts burn within us? And they realized. They realized. Now, you know their first thoughts were, boy, I wish he was here again. I wish, oh, I wish, oh, no, no, boy, I'd say this and I'd do that and I'd do that. All those regrets, right? Oh, brother. Better do it while you can. Better do it while you can. Better do it while you can. That's for sure. Jesus did all this under the law. That would be Moses' law, or the law that God gave through Moses. But it did say the law came by Moses. And as they, the Bible teaches, there was a coming to the end here. The law was described as waxing old and that it was decaying. Very, very harsh language to the Jewish mind. Remember, they didn't have this New Testament that you and I have, as we call it. They had Genesis through Malachi, 39 books, and some 900 chapters. That's what they had. That's what they grew up on. That's what they taught their children. That's what they passed on to their children. That's what they brought from generation to generation. Generation. 
I could go to work right now, but I'll refrain and restrain myself. But just remember, what you show in your home is what's going to have a big effect on the next generation. So you be very, very careful. Very careful. And so, the example you set. But as it as it began to wax old and decay, and the Bible said it was ready to vanish away. Whew, going to be gone. And believe me, there had to be some kind of hint that they believed that because they fought him so desperately. Sometimes we fight Because we don't want to let go of flesh and fleshly things. We don't want to pay the price. We don't want to give it up. We find ourselves in a pitched battle, in a struggle. That flesh fighting like a tiger. It just absolutely wants what it wants. Even though we have been given the new covenant, we have been given the new will, the new testament. We have been given Jesus the Christ, crucified. Evidently, obviously, crucified before us. We're so fortunate and so blessed to have what they did not have. They were in a decaying, dying situation that was, their whole way of life was vanishing before their eyes. And they were panicking. They weren't believing, they were panicking. They were given in to doubt and fear and most dreadedly, unbelief. The root of all sin is unbelief. And uh, they just saw it all going. But what they failed to do, your Bible teaches in Romans 9, 10, and 11, what they failed to do was to envision or get inside of God's head and see through his eyes the vision of the new, what he had in store, what he had planned. Now, we have the advantage this morning, 2016, we have the advantage of hindsight. You know, hindsight's always 2020, right? We have the advantage of that. They didn't. They needed to have foresight. They needed to listen to the preachers, the prophets, that told about the time of grace that was coming. Even knowing that they weren't going to have it themselves. But you understand God told Moses, get up to the top of the mountain and die. Say what? <laughs> oh yeah. But but it's just over the horizon. I want to go. I'm willing to leave the old and embrace the new. I've caught your vision, Lord. And God said, get up to the mountain and die. Don't ask me again. I will speak of this with you again no more forever. That's what the Indian said. It's a very famous speech. So, and that's because Moses smote the rock. No, it's not because Moses smote the rock more than once. It's because Moses was the law. He was a dispensational truth. 
The law came by Moses. And that's about to vanish away. And there were people just as stubborn about it as Moses was. And I don't blame Moses for being doggedly stubborn. It's what got him to where he got to with three million people. <laughs> I'd say you have to have a little, a little oomph about you to do that, sure enough. It might border on stubbornness, not sure, but and if it did, it was legal stubbornness. But uh, there were those that wouldn't let go. They would not let go of the old. They would not let things go out of their lives, people go out of their lives. Experiences and events and ways of doing and living go out of their lives. They wanted to hold on to the old. They didn't have the vision, the foresight. They, sh they should have listened to the preacher. He was telling them. He was telling them. They told of a time. You know. They said, and they even acknowledged it's not for us. Oh, but we wish it were, but it's not for us. But it is most assuredly coming. And it came. It came. You know it came. You and I have the hindsight. We get to look back. We read about it. It's history for us. And it's historical for us, too, because we got the experience. We got the new birth experience. We got, it. We got this born-again experience in our lives. And oh, how we need to appreciate it. Oh, how we need to thank Him. Oh, how we need to praise Him. Oh, how... We need to worship him. Why don't we stand and do that right now? Let's lift our hearts with our hands and love our holy and living God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, mighty King. Oh, Lord, my God, my Savior. You are the King of kings. and You are the Lord of lords, and I give you praise for the gift of the Holy Ghost, Lord, for the truth of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, dear Jesus, for everything you've done and everything you're doing, my Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, God. In Isaiah, he talked about, look to the heavens, that they're going to vanish away as smoke. You know, when you go outside today, and I told my wife when I was up early, when I came back, it was daylight, and uh, she said, how is it outside? I said, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. She thought I was talking about her, and I don't blame her, but I was talking about her in the day, and uh, probably in that order would be wise. And, uh, but the sky was so blue, the sun was so bright. It had not yet got to a burning heat. And uh, it had not yet done with the dew and the vapor like our life is like. You know, if you're not careful, you can get all that swagger going on. And you better remember what our life is. It's but a vapor. Vanisheth away when the sun is risen with a burning heat. Seventy years, eighty, by reason of strength. Maybe God give us a little more. That's an average, I do believe. But whatever the case, not very much in comparison to world without end, that's for sure. And God is trying to tell us, I'm going to make a, a new heaven and a new earth. Because the first one is going to, in one place said, vanish away like the smoke. It's going to be gone. The same creator that created the first heaven and the first earth that we're in and enjoying, he said, it's going. It's going to be, it, that's hard for us to comprehend. It's hard for us. God, give us 
Help us to incline our ears and our hearts that we can embrace and understand, comprehend. Grant us that kind of wisdom and knowledge and discretion that we can realize where it's all headed. There's nothing, if I asked you to write it down, there's not one thing that you could write down that would be worth missing the first resurrection over. I already told you, no amount of money. No amount of money. Oh, but I'm going to come into millions. I don't care if you come into billions and zillions and trillions or whatever it goes, zillions, gazillions. Doesn't matter to me at all. It's not going to do you any good when you're on your deathbed either. You could have Mr. Trump's money, all his money, and there's a time. I'm telling you, I was there when the doctor sewed one very well-blessed man, opened him up, took one look, sewed him back up, sent him back to the room, started hunting out the wife and family. Said, better make your preparations. Better go say your last goodbyes. It's all over. It's all over. That's a good sermon on you. Should have kept it. Just chapter and verse all over. But when your life, if it's going to, there's an old saying, it's not worth a plug nickel. Well, if it's, my life is worth way more than that because I have the Holy Ghost. My flesh isn't worth anything, but my Holy Ghost is worth a whole lot. <laughs> My Holy Ghost, your Holy Ghost is priceless. It is the pearl of great price. It's without price. Hear me now. Wake up to what you got. And remember where you got what you got. And thank God for it. Thank God for it. Let's give him a big hand, shall we? Amen.